FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 365 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snick. I'm your host, Jason, and we have Georgie from the Excalibros, but we are unfortunately down one Excalibro and one Excalibro, as uh, Dan and Ian have uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope he likes that. I, I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> change his Twitter handle to that, yes. That would be awesome. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, the, they had some, uh, you know, it's holiday season, and so obviously we had, there's a lot of some plans to work around, and between their plans and my plans and Georgie's plans, we weren't quite able to get everybody together this time. But things look good for next time, so we'll get we'll get the circus back together soon. Um, but Georgie's here, and that is more than enough. We are all I'm here, and the construction going on in the apartment next to me is here. So we do have a, <laughs> maybe a guest, the guest star as well. Yeah, right, right. It's, it's Thor. Thor and Mjolnir are doing some work next door. Sure. Um, so if you, if you hear it banging. Don't come a ringing. I don't know. Yeah, we'll work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I got, I got to shop that a little bit. Yeah. Workshop it. <laughs> we'll, we'll do some. We'll have a writing session afterward. We'll, we'll, right. We, yeah. <laughs> but we do have partial notes from Dan and Ian, so we'll definitely get to those. Um, we have a lot of books. I don't know honestly how we're going to be able to keep up with this Don of X shipping schedule on this podcast, but we're going to do the best we can. And to quote a line. From Smasher, we're going to work hard and fast today. So it's all hard and fast. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a line I use all the time. <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so um, Dawn of X is trucking right along. With, with, it looks like uh, double shipping on everything. Um, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books to talk about today. Which is, you know, a apocalypse load of <laughs> comics. It really uh, is. But you know, and we kind of get a whole smattering of, I would think, depending on which one of us you ask, quality and and all that. So, I guess we should just go ahead and get into it. What do you think, Georgie? Yeah, man. Let's let's all jump right. on in. All right. So the first thing we have is Excalibur number two. This is. Verse 2, A Tower of Flowers, uh, written by Teeny Howard, art by, yeah, I always, <laughs> never mind, <laughs> art, I always want to say Tiny Howard, and I know that's probably not a very nice pun, but I don't know, makes makes me chuckle. Um, <laughs> okay. art, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, and, and designed by Tom Mueller. Uh, covered by Mahmoud Azrar and Matthew Wilson. And, um, yeah, I you know, it's a team shot, but I like it. I really, I like the way Gambit's jumping. I like the light tower in the background. And I like Jubilee, particularly. Yeah. What do you, what do you think of this cover? It's, um, 
That was a lot of lip smack. Sorry. It's, uh, yeah, I, I like the cover. I wouldn't say it's, like, super amazing, but um, it, it feels, it feels, uh, it's not, it's definitely not as good as issue one. We'll, we'll say that. It's, right. I, I will say the, something that we can say throughout all these double shipping is you can feel a little dip in quality as, as we're going through. Like, maybe the artists don't have as much time as they want to to draw. So this one feels, like, kind of sparse. Uh, Gambit in the background feels kind of bland, uh, not quite filled in, and we just got like a, a gray sky background. It's, uh, <laughs> it's you know we've 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 seen better, but uh, it's it's not terrible. Okay. Um, so before we get into the content, uh, Ian did have a mark on the cover. He wanted to say that he knows again it's just a lineup shot, but he likes it. It made him want to know the content of the issue, and he really enjoyed the colors. So. Yeah, I think that's a good comment. I think particularly the color work around um, Jubilee's power, not just the light spears, but the color like around her powers is mm-hmm. pretty nice. Totally. So, yeah. All right. Well, I got this one. Um, so we find out about these old timey mutant twins who have they're so old timey they have uh, leaves in their hair. That's how you know it's, it's the olden days. Mm-hmm. And Apocalypse found them. Um, in the English Channel in the 4th century and was going to send them to his island nation of Akaba. But he says while they are superior in gifts, apparently their seamanship is not superior because they make a raft and Apocalypse says bye and they go out to sea and they drown. They drown like 50 feet out. It's like (laughs) they're either like the worst swimmers ever it's amazingly deep because they look yeah they look like they went maybe 20 yards and yeah. they fall underwater and the, the the bottom of the ocean is nowhere in sight not at all so so there's this like i mean i know england has those cliffs maybe back in the fourth century they're all underwater i don't know um <laughs> but there's like this huge drop off and then um we go to a boat we're on a boat um and we have captain Britain. Um, as as Betsy, uh, we have Rogue in her casket of flowers. We have Gambit, Kitty Pride, and Jubilee. So Kitty Pride has agreed to take Rogue from Krakoa to the old Excalibur base in England. At least that's what they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um and Gambit gets really pissy. I think kind of understandably, but also maybe a little edgy because the other people are not taking everything so seriously, and he's like. My wife could be dying in these flowers, and you guys have the gall to make a joke. Um, so he's kind of mad, um, but it doesn't keep them from joking around. And then some mer people, like mer monsters, um, attack the boat, and we feel like they're sent from Morgana Le Fay, and they're after Betsy. So she dives in the water, and true enough, they chase her, and she gets on a cliff, and they can't climb the cliff because they're just mer people, and so. Then they are going to run aground because they can't find the lighthouse they're looking for. But Psylocke makes, a, I guess, a telekinetic light? Like a little firework something to guide the ship safely past the shore. Oh, no, she doesn't. She doesn't even make a light. She just says, y'all stay in the water. She lifts Rogue's casket onto the shore. Yep. The boat. Then they talk and they carry the casket around. And they're going to find a safe place to put it. And they meet some invisible druids, but, but Captain Britain can see them. 
and she can also talk to them, and so she does. And they decide, oh, the Akiva clan came and tore down the Excalibur lighthouse, but they put Rogue, like, in the middle, and she grows her own tower, where she's at the top, and she's also the light bulb. Um, and so that happens, and then Apocalypse makes a little diagram that I didn't completely understand, and then... Um, they just kind of sit around and talk, and Gambit's still pretty grumpy. I mean, again, understandably, but also, I mean, come on, they've done, how many times have they done stuff like this? Um, and then uh, Jubilee has a bad dream about Apocalypse uh, not liking her baby because he's not a mutant. So she feels like Apocalypse is threatening her baby, and she goes home through the portal to get him. Meanwhile, Captain America has a dream about a firewolf. Captain um, Britain. Yep. What did I say? Captain America? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Dan. Uh, Captain Britain has a dream about a firewolf and a singing apocalypse statue, and she eats an orange or something. And then she wakes up because Shogo really likes the color purple and is eating her hair. Um, Gamma's like, why'd you bring the baby? And she's like, because I want her to be safe. She's like, you want Rogue to be safe. And he's like, okay. And then the druids come back. Some of them have antlers now, kind of like Nature Girl, and some of them have flowers. Oh, wait. So I guess the guys, the bucks of the druids have antlers and the girls have flowers. Um, and then the clan Akiva people come back. Apocalypse says, hey, you need my help? And Captain Britain's like, no, I don't. He's like, well, I'll probably help you anyway. And then he kind of blows his... Oh, no, he comes through the portal um, and blows his old acolytes away because they had tried to banish him so he didn't like them anymore anyway. And then um, there's some more consoling of, Ro of I'm sorry, of Gambit because they're going to leave Rogue here and go to Otherworld and Apocalypse is going to take care of her with this big magic hammer uh, from George's apartment next door. And um, basically, and Gambit's like, I don't, I don't like this idea, but they go and Jubilee can't find Shogo and they all have like medieval clothes and then Shogo's a big dragon. And that's the end. Oh, and there's a little lullaby right. at the end if you want that. <laughs> so, so Georgie had tweeted, and have y'all have y'all covered this one yet, or is that in your upcoming episode? I mean, a scheduling just for for Dan and myself. I think yeah. this is probably more more my fault than anyone's. Uh, it's been <laughs> tough. So we're recording tomorrow, so we'll be hey, going cool. for all of both of both of these Excalibur issues and and the first two New Mutants issues as well. Very but good. Uh, yeah, we have so, not really covered it. Right, so I won't I won't ask you to spill all your beans, but I know you said on Twitter at one point that you were not really looking forward to getting back to this book so much. Um, now that you've actually read it, how did? What's just your general feeling? And then you can obviously, guys, go listen to Escalabros for the full shebang. Mm, yep, we're definitely gonna shebang on the podcast. Um, <laughs> it's it's okay. Uh, I'm not really. Uh, I, I spoke about it on the, when we covered issue one. I feel like the artwork, the the character artwork is great. All the backgrounds are really sparse and kind of bland. Um, I'm not certain that changes in this issue at all. And it's it's not really engaging story wise. I I don't know if it's just me, but I'm like Apocalypse like pops and the Jubilee stuff with the kid has like some some feeling. But even though they're sort of uh, the Tinny Howard is, is trying to like show the love between Gambit and Rogue. It's really pushed in the background here. It's like even the writer doesn't care that Rogue is like a, fl a, a flower person now. <laughs> it's, 
I don't know. Like the characters I was interested in reading about this book aren't really shining, and I, I'm not sure if magic was the way to go. Um, I do. I'm also conflicted about the Shogo thing because I think they're trying to do a throwback to when Excalibur was in the the, the cross time caper, and there were two versions of uh, of Kitty's dragon. There was like the regular one, and then they found like a giant uh, one. Okay. I think it's like a a play on that. So I'm like, oh, it's kind of nice, but it's also kind of I don't know a little. I don't want to say hacky, but I was like, ah, eh, eh. derivative maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm just like it's. It's not bad, but it's still not it's not grabbing me where I thought it was gonna grab me. <laughs> mm. we, we all we all know where that is. <laughs> I mean, there are so many places. Right. All right. Well, um, I'll let you come back to your rating. We'll go to uh, Ian first. Um he said he enjoyed it throughout, feels more coherent than the first issue, and it makes him hopeful that it will find a solid way to progress without jumping around too much. And poor Jubilee being so worried about her child, like any good mother would be, and he gave it four out of six claws. Wow. And for Dan, um, let's see, where did Scalber go? Um... Not as potent as the first. Art's a little more hit and miss for Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, her line work is still strong. Kind of what you just said. Uh, but the colors make the book seem a little anemic. The overall plot has focus, but lacks a good enough hook. So I think y'all are kind of on the same page. Yeah. Uh, Strift lives and dies on Apocalypse's shoulders, who's the <laughs> uh, MVP of the book. He gave it an average three out of six claws. Um so I think I actually like this book the most out of the group. Um, I was not really into issue one, if you guys remember. But to me, this book, I actually thought the art was a little better. Um, and I thought the story had more impact and emotion to it than the first issue. Um, I agree that the Rogue and Gambit stuff maybe gets a little sidelined. I really enjoyed Jubilee in this issue a lot. Um, and I thought, I don't know, I don't think I minded the colors as much as you guys, um, which, you know, is just an opinion. Um, I actually, actually like this issue quite a bit. So I'm going to give it five out of six claws. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, maybe it's just because it was so much better to me. I felt like it had a lot more legs than the first issue. Um, I enjoyed the magic part a little bit more. I think and you'll you'll maybe notice something when we get to issue three. I think certain characters not being in this issue that were in issue one made it more enjoyable for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I really enjoyed issue two. I thought it was really good. So so where did you end up rating-wise on this? I, I also want to just add that I, I do like that Jubilee got a little bit more spotlight here. Like the first issue is like, oh, and then there's Jubilee. She's like, hey. I think I saw Betsy, and that was it. <laughs> right. And here she gets a moment to like be herself, so that was nice. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on par with Dan here. This is a pretty average book for me, three out of six. Okay. All right. Well, that's a bummer since this is y'all's like title flagship book, but um, you know, it happens. I I'm starting to get there in the flashback episodes here. Hello. We're, start, we're starting to get to the the gluttony of 90s Wolverine appearances, and I uh-huh. know I'm not going to love all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the choice we make when you do a topical podcast. Sometimes you have to talk about stuff that is not your favorite. Um, yeah. 
Yep. All right. Well, that's going to take us to Marauders number two. Georgie, what is uh, the Royal We? Sorry, the Red Coronation. <laughs> okay. Uh, Marauders uh, issue two. We have writer Jerry Duggan, artist Matteo Loli, color artist Federico Blee, letterer VCs Corey Pettit, and design mm-hmm. Tom Muller. So, um, on the, the cover, we have the White Queen and the, and the Black King uh, sort of in front of a, a, a world map. And uh, Emma is pushing forward the uh, red, almost like chest piece of Kitty on ship uh, towards, uh, towards I don't know, towards a bomb, it looks like. I don't know exactly what the pieces are for. But it's, it's sort of like a, the setting up the chest pieces. And um, they look appropriately regal. Dodderman, I mean, it's a signature Dodderman design. For these these two characters, and they look they look haughty and above it all and and elegant. It's it's a pretty great cover. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I really like the detail in the the pieces, especially. Um, it's really nice. The they they do look really regal, as the word you said, and that's perfect. Um, I like this cover a lot as well. Um, Ian said that he loves the cover. The artist has done great. The color specifically stands out to him and showing that poor Kitty is being moved around like an intricate game of chess. <laughs> so he mm-hmm. really enjoyed the themes as well. Um, all right, before we get into the story, remind me. Um, so Emma intentionally shifted back to White Queen to appease Shaw and get him on board with the whole Dawn of X mission, right? I, I mean, yeah. Or did it just happen and, and no one really talked about it? I, can't I don't know if it was really focused on that much. I think it was just okay. like, they were like, oh, all that dumb stuff that happened right before the Dawn of X? <laughs> yeah, yeah, any of that happened. <laughs> I mean, we wrecked kind of a bunch of stuff in these issues, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and, and gladly so. I do, I do. I think we did really love that one shot of Emma, like, like taking out Sebastian Shaw. That was like right. one of the, the shining spots. So it's a little disappointing to see that maybe... Switched, but it still feels like it's her choice to do this, so right. I'm not that yeah. upset. Yeah, no, no, I wasn't. I just couldn't remember like when that happened or if it happened. So, okay, cool. But that's where we are. She's white queen and doing a hell of a job at it as usual. She is. Yeah. All right. So, what happens in this one? All right, uh, I might kind of blast through this pretty quick, but uh, Emma has a little chat, a psychic chat with the cuckoos, uh, and I just love how they're colored like ethereal coloring cosmic coloring here um then she has a, a sit down with sebastian shaw and just like verbally spanks him down and takes away his money and his his manhood kind of uh, and he's like she wasn't done in that in that in one shot she wasn't i guess she wasn't done she's like <laughs> i'm gonna be the white queen again but you're i'm gonna take it out of your ass when i when i switch right uh then we transition to the marauders just just living it up fighting batrock and some i don't know mercenaries on a boat uh, there's a little fun moment where Storm's like, don't you kick me, Batrock, and then he gets hit with lightning. That was a little fun. Uh, it's just like a fun fight, and Duggan does a great job of uh, putting some humor and characterization into the fight. Uh, they, they, they beat Batrock up, uh, and then they basically uh, uh, take over the boat, and it was Sebastian's boat, so, you know. Uh, and then they sink it, don't they? They sink the boat. Yeah, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. So as punishment, he loses his profits, and Emma's like, "Take that, son!" And he's like, "Ah!" 
<laughs> then they go to Taipei uh, for reasons, and they, they drink, and they meet up Bishop, and Bishop's like, hey, Professor X is dead, and they're like, all right, we got to drink and get some tattoos, because we're in a bad mood. So Kitty gets a tattoo. <laughs> yes. Kitty gets like a little little tattoo on her, her arm, and then, of course... Of course, Pyro decides I'm gonna get a face tattoo, <laughs> and not just like a uh, like an, uh, a raindrop or a teardrop. He gets like a full like black skull mask on his face. Yeah, it looks looks very um, venture venture brothers uh, esque. Um, what's that character's name? Uh, oh. I don't remember. Who's who was the? Um... Oh shoot! All right, scratch that. My brain, 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 <laughs> giant brain fart. But he gets a great skull tattoo, uh, and then Kitty's like, "I gotta go talk to somebody," and he she basically buys a coat off of the tattoo artist. Uh, Gateway shows up because he's just showing up in these books, and he takes the the Marauders to London, and they have a nice boat, and they're like, "All right, we got a boat. It's gonna be great." Uh, and then Sebastian Shaw is still upset because he had plans for Red King, and Emma had uh, superseded him. They have a little fight. And then Kitty shows up wearing like a captain, like a, a red. Uh, like old timey captain's jacket with a little saber, and uh, she's like, "I'm I'm the captain now," and that's that's the end of the issue. Um, I I I really enjoy Marauders. I do feel like the the artwork here is, is spotting some some parts, especially the final page, which should be amazing. I, I think she looks great in that captain's jacket, but her face looks like somebody completely different than Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> like she got beat up and then like almost like a black eye and weird lips going on. So there's some like weird art things, but otherwise I thought this is uh, a lot of fun. Yes. I, I loved it. Um, the, the elephant in the room, there's still some weird coloring choices, but yes, I'm also banking on the fact that whatever feedback either they had and we're going to look at the feedback, would not have had time to address it by this issue. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still hoping it gets better in future issues. Um, I have made no shame if you followed my 70s reading at all. I love Batroc Z. So I love to see him show up here. Me too. Um, it was really fun. I thought the fight was really good. Uh, Dugan nailed kind of his speech without going overboard on the French, but also... Lolly really did, I thought, really good with his art and his fighting style. It looked really good. Um, I like kind of his his subtle uh, costume design, uh, being just a hair different maybe than you're used to. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with a couple of spaces where the art isn't perfect, but I think overall it's really good. Um, I loved Emma putting Sebastian in his place, um, kind of grabbing him by the short hairs and um, saying, you're going to do my rules. Okay, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna run this. You're gonna help us distribute the drugs. You're gonna help us smuggle people. You are not going to get a get some side money off of this because I don't want you to. And Sebastian rages about it, but is really at the end kind of impotent about it. I think we'll see in the next issue what he plans to maybe change and get away from his impotence. But I just I don't know. I I love seeing Sebastian kind of being mad, but not all that powerful. I think that's a great. Right, a great, a great beat for him. <laughs> so I really, really enjoyed this book. Yeah, I think. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, issue three. I, I really enjoy where they go with with Sebastian Shaw. Now yeah. they, they, they like 
delve into that. So I remembered it's it's Henry Killinger is uh, the ah, character I'm okay. thinking of. He's got like a skull mask <laughs> that looks just yeah. like the tattoo. Now, let's be honest. You remembered or you Googled? No, I, I was about to Google <laughs> and then it popped in my head. I got lucky. All right. <laughs> got lucky. All right. Well, here's what Ian had to say about Marauders number two. Loved it again. Great fun to read through and a balance well between Kitty and her story and Emma screwing over Shaw. He did feel like Kitty changed between the two issues maybe a little too much, but it didn't take away from the enjoyment. But they maybe could have taken more time to build her becoming this new self. Uh, great issue that made him laugh, and he wants to continue on with it. And five out of six claws just because of the Kitty maybe character shift a little bit. If that had been a little more subtle for him, he would have gone six. Makes sense. Okay, let me find... Uh, Dan, I'm Marauders 2 here. Um, a true gem of a book, Dan says. Fun and flirty Marauders is a team book that fleshes out the mutant landscape without being too overbearing. The characters are pitch perfect and the interactions are divine. Artistically very strong. The color work is still a little problematic in skin tone, but overall really well presented. Uh, dynamic book, five out of six claws. Um... I'm going to go ahead and, and just jump the hurdle. I'm going to give this six out of six claws. I, I liked it a whole lot. Awesome. I I really love this issue, too. I think there are a few minor hiccups that keep it at a, a five for me. But, I mean, this is really, 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 really good. Loved it. Loved it. Awesome. All right. Well, next up is New Mutants number two, Space Jail. Um, There's a lot of words in this book. I don't mean that in a bad way. but uh, Oh, no, there are. He's really embracing his Claremont here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Hickman... All right, well, yeah, credits real fast. Um, written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by Rod Rice. Uh, letters by VCs Travis Landon. Designed by Tom Mueller. And the cover is Rice doing his best in Cavage impersonation. And it's a wonderful cover. It is so good. Um, I love, like, rain hanging from, like, the space wire over the logo. Looks great. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think of this cover? Probably the best cover we're talking about this uh, week. It's Ooh. super gorgeous. It's outstanding. Uh, anytime we have Reyes doing any artwork, I agree. it's it's hard <laughs> not to like make his covers the best. They're always yeah. amazing. Yeah, I flipped through real fast and everything just to make sure, but I 100% agree. Best cover of the episode. So good. Uh, all right, cool. Well, so Hickman really, really just jumps into inner monologue from Sunspot. And it, it is a lot, but it's really, really good and really insightful and really funny in a lot of places. Um, but also emotional. I mean, it's just, it's Hickman, like you said, maybe embracing some Claremont, but doing a really, really good job of it. So they hire uh, Roberto's uh, incompetent wizard space lawyer. Um, I love that he, he tries to play that they're not from here, but the judge is like, well, but this is where we are. <laughs> and so they are reprimanded into Imperial Shi'ar custody, which just happens to be the people they were looking for, um, Cannonball and Smasher. So there's some reunion, some really just great personality stuff. Mm-hmm. The dialogue in this book is so wonderful. Um, and it's kind of like a tense, like, oh, how are we going to land back in our friendship moment between... Sam and Berto, but 
then it all kind of comes back together. Smasher punches him in the nose, Roberto in the nose. Um, and then they get a mission, and their mission is to go find uh, Deathbird. Um, and so for this mission, they're excused from their sentence. Um, there's a fun a fun part where they're all playing a space card game that none of them know the rules to. A lovely scene. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really great. Uh, Sam and Roberto laughing on the couch, also lovely. Um, and we get this transition from um, uh, Gladiator stepping down as Majestor um, and becoming the Praetor again and making, um, oh, what's her name? This is the girl from the Rogue and Gambit series, right? Yep. yep. Uh, Kaza? Oh, shoot. What is, I can't find her name in my notes or the issue. Zandra. Zandra, yes. And so he wants to make her the queen, um, like Lelandra before her, because he needs to really focus on being a general. Um, and But she's going to need a, a ruthless advisor, and that's Deathbird, and that's why the, the new mutants and Smasher are going to collect Deathbird to bring her back to the throne world. Um, and this book isn't perfect. Then I, I don't know how else, I don't know how you make this book any better. Right. <laughs> this book was so so good on every level. Writing, art, everything was just pitch perfect. Um, yeah. What What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember, but after last issue, we decided you know what our, our favorite was, and New Mutants One was my favorite uh, issue, like series, and I think it it easily continued that that streak this week. It's gorgeous and hilarious and fun and even though hickman at the beginning sort of skirts the hit the uh claremont line it's not like overdone and there's still like fun and humor in it there's a great little like here's here's the case of there not being a whole lot of background happening in some panels but there's still so much characterization on where your eyes supposed to focus uh that i i can excuse it uh so like when they they meet cannibal they'll give him a hug but then the generation x kids are in the background just like sulking yeah 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 completely blank for a purpose like it's 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 so good um i love that cannonball is is and i haven't read anything with him in a while but that, that he's my image of him in the 90s is that he was more like short and stocky uh but here he's back to his new tall tall thin dude look which yeah. i which i like and it's just so much fun and gorgeous and exciting and full of character. I, as, as you mentioned, if, if this isn't a six, nothing's a six. <laughs> well, it is for me. Spoiler. Uh, I gave this six out of six claws. Dan also gave it six out of six. Um, he said it's everything he wants in the X book. He's fallen in love with it. He may have a sunspot bias and that may be impacting him, but the character work is just brilliant. Hickman can have these characters clean toilets and it would still be the best X book. Oh, yeah. The plot, the plot is silly and tongue in cheek, but it marries perfectly with the tone. Astonishing art, Rice is a true master in the medium, bringing both wonder and warmth to every page. Everyone should be reading this six out of six clause. And I don't, let me double check. I don't think Ian got to this one. Let me see. No, he did not. So, um, I think he really liked the first one and I would expect this to fall in line right. with that. So, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, definitely, you know, I bit the bullet on Marauders and 
I think they're both really, really up there, but I think if I had to give one the edge, New Mutants takes the edge a little bit for me. They're not by much, but definitely. I mean, Marauders is still really great. It's, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. So, so New Mutants is the book, book to read. I look forward to Dan and Georgie really going into some of those scenes in more detail and those, those little relationships because that is definitely what makes this book. So you'll definitely want to go listen to that as well um, at, you know, Excaliburus. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's our first part of the episode. Mostly, I well, I guess I was warmer on Excalibur than, than you guys, but we're overall fairly positive. Oh, yeah. Good, good to great, I think, is what we had there. Yeah. All right, so next up is X-Force number two. And so what you're alluding to is we're no longer in the good to great <laughs> well, portion we, of the we'll, episode. <laughs> we will see. I, I, I think uh, there may be a little bit of variance between some of us on this one, but um, definitely looking forward to talking about it. I'll say this. X-Force issue two, coherent, which is a step up. <laughs> so good job on that. <laughs> All right. Well, who who did this one? I uh, who did who did this monstrosity? This was uh, I blame Benjamin Percy as the writer and Joshua Casara as the artist. Dean White is the color artist. VCs Joe Caramagna as the letterer, and of course designed by Tom Muller. And uh, on the cover we have um, Quentin Quire uh, shooting like psychic laser beams and Wolverine doing like a crazy yoga pose as he's stabbing people. I don't know how his body bends that way, but it does. And uh, they're just fighting these like zombie dudes on the cover. There should be blood and gore. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I think it's in line with what's inside, but I'm not really, I'm not really thrilled by this cover. What about you? I, we talked about this a little bit last time. I don't, what happened to Dustin Weaver? <laughs> like, I used to really, really like him, like, a lot. And this one's better than the first one. But it's yes. just... Yes. I don't know. Like, Choir looks old. Mm-hmm. And not just, like, older than he should be. He looks, like, old. Um, And Wolverine's body, whatever he's doing, is... I don't think Adamantium Spine's been that way. Um... <laughs> no. You know, I'm assuming, because, you know, I, I know people that have had, like, you know, back problems and had surgery to make their bone, like, stronger. It makes them le- less flexible. I don't always think of Wolverine as being, like, the most flexible person. But, um, anyway, um, I, I just don't know. I don't I don't know what's going on with this cover. I don't, like I said, better than the first one, but I don't really, and I don't really like it that much. Me neither. I would say for Quentin... Part of this issue as well, he he feels sort of retconned in, in a way. Like when he was first introduced in in uh, New X Men, he was kind of like a uh, like an extreme mutant, like almost like para Nazi sort of character. Uh, I don't know if you remember those issues, but he's yeah, like yeah, killing no. people. And then he's sort of been rehabilitated over the years, uh-huh. and now back in this issue, he's back to being like he was still a jerk. And like an arrogant jerk, but he wasn't like death the humans. And now he's kind of back to death the humans sort of talk, and it's, it's right. kind of odd. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk. I think we'll, we'll definitely talk about that a little bit. But, um, but on the cover, the, I think that they do a good job of portraying that sort of characterization of him. He, he's kind of evil. Yeah, yeah. No, he's very happy about shooting things. Mm-hmm. With his psychic 12 gauge. 
So we start uh, where uh, X-Force left off, and that's dead. Charles Xavier, and now Magneto reigns supreme. He uh, takes uh, the cerebral off of dead Charles, and he forms it into a sword, which was kind of a fun, like a cool, cool idea. I like that. Uh, the artwork here sort of shifts from, like, I don't want to say abstract, but, like, scratchy, scratchy nuance to, like, ugly, ugly gene face. Uh, it's, it's, it's really back and forth a lot. And even the good part isn't that good. Uh, and so Magneto, uh, tasks Gene and Beast to start up a new Cerebro. So they find one, they're like, I don't know if we can do this. And they have to do it. Uh, then we, we look at the, the basic Reavers who, um, attacked issue one and they're, they're examining them and Wolverine decides he's going to kill the one that's left, but they need information. And so he decides he's going to go hunt. Uh, so he's hunting people and, uh, as 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 uh, security guard comes in, uh, this room that that Wolverine's searching through, then Quentin Quire shows up to help, and he's like full on like crazy Nazi mutant evilness, um, and they search for some people. Meanwhile, Beast is like trying to activate Cerebro, and he's still having troubles. So we had a page of that. And then we switch back to fighting, and then Quentin and Wolverine are just like fighting dudes, and they realize these are like. Uh, these, these people are being constructed cell by cell. And they've all got like little pieces in their ears and pieces in their 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 forehead and, and wires hidden this way and that way, just making people to be the ultimate weapons. Um, so hooray! And they fight and they slash and they kill and and Quentin gets 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 worried because he doesn't have his powers and they're still fighting. And then they find Domino who's in a tank and we realize that it's true they did rip off like half of her skin and it looks gross and disgusting and it made me very upset because we had that wonderful domino book where they really respected the character and now she's in this book just being like brutalized for reasons it's um it's just like brutal gore for the sake of brutal gore in this issue am i ranting too much what do you think jason no, no, keep going for it um i actually i'm gonna divert to dan before i talk so go ahead and and i i did not enjoy the book <laughs> It was like a coherent, like I could follow the plot line. I could understand what people are saying this time and why they were saying it. Um, and there were some interesting, I think we said before, interesting like kernel of an idea of what to do. But it's just like the execution is really sloppy and and, and uh, not not ugly, but like un, un, unattractive to my, my brain thoughts. <laughs> I, I didn't enjoy this. <laughs> All right. Um, so X Force Two, or as Dan likes to call it, whatever happened to Quentin Quire? Um, <laughs> he said uh, the writing isn't terrible, but the plot is very much straightforward. And he had a similar comment that uh, Quentin has been reset, and Logan has little to no character to him. The rest of the cast are weightless losses in the mud of the art. Oh, the art! The book is drowned out with color work that is akin to an alien comic. The money. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, almost like a dark horse or even maybe like a 4AD field. Anyway, but um, the muddy tones are inconsistent to the actual vibrant life of Krakoa. Although the one gene page is a highlight, the pencil work is rough, but not altogether as hideous as last issue. Um, it is clearly a pastiche of the 90s is attempting to be the darker book of Dawn of X. But therein lies the problem for Dan, and that's only worth two out of six claws for him. Makes sense. 
Yeah, so um, I think I'm slightly more positive on this issue than you guys, but not like a lot. I thought I thought it was way better than the first one. I really didn't like the first one very much. Right. Um, I thought this one had some better writing, um, better story. The art still not particularly to my taste, and the colors, man. And and I say this with there's a lot of books that I've seen Dean White colors on where I really, really enjoyed the color work. And I think he's intentionally doing something different here, and it's just not for me. I'm not going to say it's bad necessarily, I mean, maybe, but it's just not, it's not, it's not for my taste. This too, it's too dark and unclear, and I'm sure some of that is intentional, but it reminds, and honestly, it, it reminds me visually in tone not that different from the previous volume of X-Force that we all bailed on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Don't remind me. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same, kind of intentionally ugly, intentionally dark, intentionally muddy, um, that, that I'm just not a huge fan of. Um, so, Quentin, I, I agree that it's a little unfortunate that he's reset. I think his reset... In regards to the new status quo, is not as egregious as another reset we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Because mm-hmm. um, I think maybe seeing Krakoa sure. and seeing the ascension of mutants might cause him to kind of backslide a little bit, especially being a young kid. Like I can see him being, oh, well, maybe I was right, and now everyone else is telling me I'm right. And so I think it's maybe a little extreme, but not not completely impossible that he might kind of regress a little bit in his attitude. Um, I do like, um, I actually kind of enjoyed Percy's Wolverine here a little bit. Um, he's gruff and kind of short at the beginning, like where he wants to interrogate, but then, you know, the snicked and the snack, because sometimes you snicked, sometimes you snacked. Um, mm-hmm. And he ends up leaving, and then, you know, because I'm going hunting, like, he goes off on his own, like, a loner, which he does. I really enjoyed him, <laughs> like, chicken pecking at the keyboard, like, typing with two little fingers. I thought that was really fun. That would definitely be how um, he would type, yeah. And I really, if there's any art I liked, uh, the little panel of him, like, jumping at the security guard and the coffee cup, like, falling, and, like, the... The color lines behind him, that was actually kind of a standout panel for me. Um, and I, I enjoyed him kind of disagreeing with Quentin. That he's, they're there for similar purposes, but Logan's not willing to embrace kind of the hatred. Um, he definitely has a mission, and it's a violent mission, and they're both very violent. But Logan has a different reason for his violence. And so I, I enjoyed that kind of back and forth with them. Um, I agree, Beast and Jane kind of get lost. Um, so, I mean, I, for me, this ended up being kind of a very... There were things I liked, but things I also really didn't like, like quite a bit. Um, I think I'm going to end up in just kind of a, a middle-of-the-road three out of six claws. Um, I'm, I'm expecting you'll probably be closer to Dan, maybe even lower. The only... Yeah, I mean... The only reason that this isn't the worst issue I've read recently is that <laughs> I read issue number one a few uh-huh. weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a two out of six 
Uh, and that, I feel like I'm being a little generous in even saying that. It's um, it's it's not an enjoy- I would say it's a, a uh, poor book. So, so first issue, I felt like kind of everybody was at fault. I think what I would say maybe in this issue is that a different art team could have made this this script work okay. Sure. Uh, but no, I agree though. It's definitely it is trying to intentionally be oh we're the gritty dark book of Dawn of X sure and, you know I mean, people some people are gonna like that I don't to me it feels like that's the only purpose of the book and that's that's where I, I have a, a major issue it's not like this right. is the story I'm trying to tell and it's dark and gritty it's like it's it's dark and gritty because that's what it should be dark and gritty and the story's you know the second second it's an afterthought. So that's where I have, you know, major issues with it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, I think where maybe I'll diverge a little bit is I feel like the dark and gritty had a little bit more of a mission in this one than the first issue where it felt sure, completely sure. uncalled for. So I don't know. I, I guess, well, I think this could be a – I think issue three can maybe swing this series into – a little bit of enjoyment or just back to complete garbage and we'll kind of see where it goes. <laughs> Fun. All right. Well, Fallen Angels also had a number two and these were our two least favorite books last time. So let's see if, if that holds true. Um, this is written by Brian Hill. Uh, art by Simone Trudansky. Colors by Frank Diamarda. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino, designed again by Tom Mueller. I will say, in all these books, Tom Mueller is an unsung hero. His design work has been pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, the cover on this one is Ashley Witter. You know, I'm. she did like the last few X-23 covers, mm-hmm. and most of them were really good. I've not really enjoyed either of her Fallen Angels covers. Uh, this one kind of has just... Quanin and Kid Cable and Laura standing in a prison, and it's just very plain. They all have the same face, the exact same face. Yeah, it's, even Kid Cable. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Remember issue one, I was like, I would see faces, I didn't know who it was, and, and maybe the, the cover artist here is different, but it was just, it feels, it all like blends together in, in a way that makes it difficult to understand what's happening. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here... All right, remind me. Because the hand resurrected Psylocke into Quanin's body. So it's always been... Quanin's always been kind of tied to the hand, right? Or did they I, just find I, I her... I know very little about Quanin. Okay, all right. Well, so anyway, we, we move into this story with the assumption that she... Used to be in the hand, and at one point she was um, helping someone get out of the hand, but she did that by killing them because no one ever gets out. Um, and so that's a flashback. And then um, we go back to the the present on Krakoa and X twenty three. And this this reset, I'm really the Quentin one kind of bothered me. I was like, oh. I don't know if it totally makes sense, but maybe possible. I th- this Laura reset kind of makes me angry. It's um, so like <laughs> sudden too. It's not like something right. happened. It's just like, well, that book ended, so 
Yeah, now she's just like lost all growth from the last five years. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty terrible, especially because I loved those last two volumes or three or however many it was so much. Yeah, um, and really, it's kind of personally offensive to me. Um, <laughs> but she's like, "Can you teach me how to control my rage again? Can, can you re reteach me that?" And also, like, I feel like I used to have a sister, but well, who knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe she could help me she helped bring joy to my life but i don't know and king cave was like i don't like this campfire but i'm hoping it it rubs off on me and mm. so he has some interesting so i guess he still has all his old man cable connections and so he got a story of this overclock um basically like using and abusing this village and their children to make the drug and he wants to go check it out but quinn is like no it's not our mission. And he's like, fine, I'm going by myself. And then we get a whole, oh, and then Dazzler kind of hits on her, maybe? I can't tell. Um, and then we get a, actually kind of a cool description of the hand and like their philosophy. That part was actually kind of enjoyable. Um, just about how kind of the, almost the nihilism of the hand and there's kind of the leader that makes decisions, but the one and their warriors just follow orders. They don't need to judge morality. And then we go to another flashback where she saves a mom and her pregnant baby and I thought that was going to end up being like the baby that she ended up with but I guess it's not because they both die she's told um, and that makes her really upset because she did have like a a morality question that she should have not had I guess according to the hand and then she goes and talks to Sinister for a second and then she goes back to Kid Cable and says alright I'll help you and then go to this uh, Brazilian Village where they get blown up and they see this big eyeball thing. Or yeah, ro- yeah, ro- that, robot that happened. Can yeah. I admit something to you? Uh, well, I totally can. checked out. I totally checked out as you were reading this, like covering this book. I was like, my brain, brain sleep now. Like I could not, <laughs> could not force me to to join you in this. Yeah, um, Dan didn't really read it either. He tried. He said, um, but. Uh, one out of six claws for Dan, <laughs> with really not much comments. Wow. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I don't know. There, there are parts of this that aren't terrible, but there's a lot of it that is. And to me, like, I don't like the art either. So there's right. no like, there's not much redeeming this book for me. Um, I think I'm going to go one out of six also. This is my least favorite book by, by quite a stretch. There are, I'll, I'll say this for the artwork. If you take a single panel on its own, you can be like, oh, this is kind of nice. It feels almost like a, like a cel-shaded video game, uh, like still frame of some like cutscene. And you'd be like, oh, okay, that's kind of nice. But when you, that's all you have and they all look like the same character, it, it just bleeds into the, the same incoherent, uh, visual storytelling that makes it really not, not only tough to follow but not fun to follow and yeah. it's a re- reliance on just like everything is, is black with, with like some sharp coloring on top of it it makes it hard to f- focus on any of the details so, so I don't I don't I'm not really interested in the story they're telling I don't as you said I don't really like what they're doing with uh, X-23 it's 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 like why did I'm not sure why we need this book uh, I I'll, I'll join the chorus. One out of six. Why are we doing this? Yeah. 
the only thing that I thought was slightly redeeming, and even this I'm not completely sure makes sense, but I did like Kid Cable's sense of like social justice to the mission. Like it's not just about finding the bad guy. We need to save this village because, you know, they're being forced into slave labor and that's not good. Um, like there's a sense of morality to him. And I do mm-hmm. like the idea of Quanin trying to say, I want to investigate and try to find a sense of morality in myself instead of just following orders. Like, I think there's there's one little nugget of corn in the turd that could be useful, but there's just not enough mm. to, to lift the book up. Totally. So at, the, at the end, you just got to flush it and eat something else later. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't reach back in for that corn. Don't do that. <laughs> right, right, right. There, there's more. I promise. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, and I do want to say these are our opinions. I know the first issue of this book sold really, really well. And if you're digging it, you feel free to disagree with us and keep reading it and enjoying it. It's just, it's, it's not for us. <laughs> it feels like. Yeah. All right, well, X-Men number three is next. X-Men number three is next. And uh, who did this one? Well, Jonathan Hickman is the writer. Lionel Francis Yu is the artist. Jerry Alanguilin. Alanguilin. And Lionel Francis Yu is the inkers. Sonny Go and Rain Barreto do the colors. VCs Clayton Cowles is the letterer. And Tom Muller is the designer. And on the front cover... Ooh, oh, sorry about that. On the front cover, we have um, Cyclops and Emma Frost riding like dinosaurs in, in, in what looks like the Savage Land. And to me, this is the kind of ugly beautiful that I enjoy. Like, Emma looks sort of like I, I, ugly ugly beautiful, if that makes sense. It's, it's, they look a little <laughs> grotesque, like Cyclops as well. Looks a little grotesque, but in like an artistic style that sings to me a little bit more. And I, I love uh, I love the dinosaurs here. They look great. Um, I like the dinosaurs. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. <laughs> not 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 the figure work necessarily for me. But that's right. okay. That's all right. It is all right. It reminds me. Remember, was it issue two where we had Cable and we had uh, X twenty? <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't X twenty three. It was Cable and um, uh, Rachel. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Okay. So in this issue, uh, people are picking flowers until four old ladies come in to, to <laughs> beat people up. And they basically just like use this green goo to take out people. Uh, there's a there's a council meeting in which Jean and Emma do all of the flirting. Um, and then it's decided that uh, Scott and Emma and Sebastian Shaw, who gets to shine a little bit more, are, are dispatched to take out whatever's happening uh, in the Savage Land, and we get to see Gateway again because just because, um, and Gateway takes them to the Savage uh, Land where they're planting flowers, and we realize it's these some old ladies who have problems swearing, so they say stuff like the A word, the P word, <laughs> the S word. Which was, at first, I was like, are they just being sensitive? Like, did, did Marvel tell them they can't do it? It took me a few panels to realize, oh, no, that's just the characterization. She's so old, right. she doesn't want to swear. And then right. I was like, I was down for it. Um, and so Cyclops and them are like, all right, we got to take these people out. And Sebastian Shaw's like, let me handle it. And he goes to make a deal, and they just, like, beat him the hell up, which was kind of funny. 
Cyclops jumps in because he's competent, but he's a bit of a he's a bit of a, a sweetheart here. And so one of the, the old ladies fakes an injury and he gets blasted in the face, and then he gets beat up. And uh, these women uh, are the horticulturalists, which is sure that's it's a job and a and a team name. And uh, they used to help with with flowers until they realized how the all the bad businessmen were. We're using the flowers, so they killed them, and they took over, and then they realized that Krakoa was, like, disrupting the balance. So they had to go and get some Krakoan flowers so that they could control all the plant production in the world. Um, it's, a, it's a weird story, let's, let's be honest. It feels very left field, but in a fun way. Um, and in the end, they escape with some of the flowers, and uh, Emma and Shaw head back to the council and are like, mm, we got a problem. Uh, these old women beat us up. Uh, the end. I don't. I, I I alternate between I really love this issue and like what what the hell did I just read kind of the thing. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, what did you think of the artwork? Very hit and miss for me. Um, I don't know if it's because and I don't really know enough about or remember enough about um uh uh, uh Alan Gian to remember like. If it's, if it's the difference between having two inkers that the book fills up and down to me, but uh, one of my highlights, one of my very, very highlights of the book, hey, Ollie, is um, when they they basically, uh, what do they say to Emma? They say, um, you need to wash yourself, and the, the, the panel below that, uh, Cyclops, Sebastian, and Emma. Okay, you need to go potty? Party break. Okay. But they're all like, Cyclops is like, I'm not going to make eye contact. Sebastian Shaw like puts his hand over his mouth and that face on Emma. Is yeah, it's a great my, panel. My, my favorite art of the book. Um, <laughs> she's just like aghast. But then she kind of collects herself. Um, I don't know. I found the art to just be very up and down. The, the scene where Cyclops blasts them and the way he draws the the kind of different versions of the oh, yeah. last. So I good. really enjoyed that. Thought it was really good. I want you to bring me his iPad and I'll reset it. Uh, Thirty minutes. Um. But yeah, yeah. Art wise, I, I thought the book was very up and down. Uh, what do you think of the art? This this is the kind of like ugly, delicious, beautiful artwork I kind of enjoy. I I know it, it it's. Maybe too liney and too like angular sometimes, and too like grainy maybe. But uh, I find beauty in the ugliness here. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Mm. All right. Well, here's what uh, Dan had to say: a delightful plunge into botany bureaucracy. Another on-point script from Hickman. Almost flawless delivery of story and character. Shaw was a wonder. Uh, you, as yep. an artist, not me, made it all work with some detailed character work. The color work helped out, but some heavy inking made for some slight moments of visual sure. angst in the good work. Um, he gave it solid fun, five out of six claws. Um, so art aside, the story, I will admit, I couldn't really get into the antagonist. Really at all. Um, but I did really enjoy... The characterization of the X Men. Um, you know, you talked about Jean and Emma kind of 
going tat to tat together. Um, I enjoyed Cyclops in this issue. I, I would say Hickman has returned Cyclops to like a really good character, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed his take on Shaw in this issue. Um, yeah. So, so there are parts of it I really enjoyed the plot and the the quirky old ladies. I just didn't really get into. I think this is maybe. You know, being a uh, a Hickman super fan, it's, it's been a long time since I haven't really enjoyed one of his scripts. Like, probably... And what was that book he did that looked great? It was a black and white book with um, uh, Nicola Scott, I think. I don't know. It was like about magic or Monday... Mon- no, Monday murder, or I don't know, something. But, um... Not, actually, that's not Nicola Scott. That was a Greg Rucka book. I know some other artists... But that was like the last time I had trouble getting into like a Hickman script, and that's probably eight, nine years ago, something like that. Um, but this one I had, I had a little trouble getting into the overall script, but there was enough that I liked to still enjoy the issue. Okay. So what do you think of, of, the, of the writing and, and the character work and stuff? It, it's, it's a left field. It's a weird book, right? It's yeah. a weird issue. And it took me a minute to like jump on board and realize what exactly was happening, but I think that was on purpose and not like poor writing. It was supposed right. to be confusing yeah. at the beginning, like what the hell's going on. Uh, I, I do think where the art does feel a little bit, there are some times where the blonde woman and the white-haired woman look the same in panels, and I wasn't sure who was speaking to what. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I really I thought this was fun. Well written, like wacky side adventure, and I don't know how it's going to come back to like bite them in the ass later on. But I right. think I think it's going to be important later. Okay. Yeah, I do, do think it's definitely worth noting that we kind of glossed over the reason they use Gateway is because these uh, horticulturists found a way to not only infiltrate the Krakoan gates but to shut them down. Um, and so that definitely is more threatening than just picking flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I agree. I think this is something that will probably not just be a one and done. Um, I don't know if it necessarily would be like the next issue, but I could definitely see down the road this coming back in some way. So definitely something you want to pay attention to if you're following the grand scheme of Hickman's, you know, overarching yeah. story. I will. Yeah. I'll give this issue. I think a five out of six. Okay. I I really I I, I there's a panel. That page of Cyclops shooting his 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 uh, uh-huh. of glass, and then he's like standing with arms like ready to fight. It's yeah. Such a good page. Yeah, it's it's classic Cyclops. In the yeah. Best way. Um, just some standout standout work here. Yeah, I'm gonna go. My misgivings aside, it's still a pretty solid four out of six for me. Um, mm-hmm. There's like I said, there's enough here to like that I'm fine. Um, you know, I don't quite have it on the same level as this week as Excalibur or you know Marauders or New Mutants but it's not far from it sure sure alright well this this we get a Georgie back to back Marauders number three Marauders number three sorry just scrolling to the uh, credits page here Marauders number three we have Jerry Duggan as the writer Michelle Bandini as the artist, Michelle Bandini and Elizabeth D'Amico as the inkers, uh, Federico Blee as the color artist, VCs Corey Petters, the letterer, 
Tom Muller is the design, and Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson on the cover. And this week's cover is um, Shinobi Shaw being born out of an egg with uh, Xavier and Bishop and uh, Iceman and Storm sort of making sure he doesn't go haywire when he comes out. It's, I think, kind of immaculately colored here. It's it's really pretty, and uh, I, I love... How the, the sort of the goo and the fire coming out of the egg uh, illuminate the page. I, I kind of like this uh-huh. cover, and it makes an X too. Yeah, what do you so, think? Um, yeah, I think the only thing that's kind of weird is maybe Bishop's figure work, but everything else. Yeah, and just the way I don't know. I know it's a big '90s gun, and there's not really a right way to hold it because it's not really <laughs> physically possible. <laughs> you would have to have forearms of like Superman to hold that gun. Right, yeah. right, but um. Yeah, the only—I mean, it's, it's very, very nitpicky, but it's like he's—he's he's standing on top of the panel, not in the panel. Sure. But other than that, I think the cover is great, and I love all the color work, and all of like—you know—if anything I could change, I would have maybe found somewhere else to put the title. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like it covers up some of the best art on the cover. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but that's very, very nitpicky. Dodderman is still a. Uh, a folk hero of, of comic book business, so um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a great cover. All the Marauder, Marauders covers have been really great. Yeah. So in this issue, we get to see the three different castles on Krakoa, the Red Keep, the Blackstone, and the White Palace, and uh, they all are in the Hellfire Bay of Krakoa, and it's this is all about Sebastian Shaw this time, and we have a different artist, and I, I actually really appreciated the the change in artwork this time. I really enjoyed the artwork throughout. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it's it's a little cleaner and in uh, in sweet. And um, so we just follow Sebastian Shaw. Sort of, we go. It's not clear when he's sort of joining, but all right. So I had a moment where I saw Professor X. I'm like, what? Did I miss an issue? Is he back? Um, <laughs> right. Right, and it, it didn't make it clear that this is happening sort of before. So that well, was like the other, one the other clue is Pyro without the face tattoo. Right, right. But I was like, mm, oh, okay, I guess it's it's just from before. So that's where that's where that is. Um, but so he he joins Krakoa, and um, he's having his son uh, be reborn. His son is Shinobi Shaw, which is you would never name your son Shinobi. Like even if he's Japanese, that's like naming your son like samurai. You know, oh. <laughs> it's like yeah, this is my son, Minuteman America. You know, you would never like say that. So, right. uh, just thinking back on on this as an adult was, was hilarious. But I, I love how Sebastian is trying to like reforge his relationship with his son throughout. We had that terrible Rosenberg issue where he. Just for no reason, Shinobi's like, ah, I'm just going to kill myself. And he stuck his, his fingers in his, his head. It mm-hmm. was. I, do you remember why he did that? He was just uh, like. Someone made him. Um, they took over his mind or something. Um, the only good thing that came out of that is that picture of the skeleton with the skeleton fingers like discontorting through the skeleton skull is a great image. Oh, yes. Al- almost makes it worth it, but doesn't. I mean, the artwork <laughs> in this issue is, is oh, so standout. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So we just follow, like, father and son as the turn Kokoa, and Sebastian's like, I wanted to make you uh, the Red King, but I've been outmaneuvered, so I have, I have other plans for you, so so chin up. And they, they 
travel around and they sort of explore and they they have some food and some drinks and they get to know each other a little bit better and like rebuild that bond and they they travel to Japan where Shinobi picks up a, a sword and I know very little about Shinobi Shaw to be perfectly honest is that sword necessary for his powers in some I way I'm not sure I don't remember what his tie is to the uh, I don't know if this is supposed to be the Yakuza or something else I don't remember um, let me say this there is no location in japan that has like all this neon signs and then there's like a, a traditional like, pagoda, <laughs> like right in the middle of the city this is not this is some 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 kind of fiction but um so they pick up a sword and then they, they travel around some more and uh they take a look at the map of the world and sebastian's like we have we have plans and shinobu's like well, how did i die who did it and sebastian says i i I, it pains me to say it, but it was the White Queen, dun dun dun, and it's like he's consp- like he's planning his countermeasures against Emma. And I thought this was a great like character focused issue. I don't I don't care anything about Sebastian Shaw at all, but I was like all in on this issue. It yeah, was, it was great. It was great. <laughs> Gorgeous artwork, great characterization. You could feel like the love between father and son. I mean, it was more. Father at son more than son at father, but it was such a, an easy issue to dive into and enjoy. I was like, oh wow, I didn't expect this to happen, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, uh, so this was Dan's favorite book of the bunch this time. Um, he said it certainly stands out of the crowd. An issue about Sebastian and Shinobi Shaw can be a disaster in any other hands, but Dugan and Bandini nail it. Um, Adding both a fantastic new location on Krakoa and a political layer with intrigue. Uh, Bandini is also on form, and the color work is vibrant and alive. The color work on Sebastian is grand by both, as Bandini really does make the character emote through the whole book. All hail the Black King, six out of six claws. I don't really know what else, but I have to say, um, I think both of you... I, I agree with that very, I'm sorry very for high praise. So much that I didn't mean to hog the conversation. No, 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 no. It was, it was your book. Um, I, I really, I think you guys both know it. It's, it's taking a, I guess, beloved character, at least an often used character, and adding just a maturity to his development. And not that he acts more mature or whatever, but just from a writing standpoint and a reading standpoint, it just feels like a deeper look into who Sebastian is, even without like over explaining stuff. It just very organically makes you feel closer to him, right? And and seeing the way he treats the relationship with Shaw now that he has like a second chance. I love that Shaw's so hesitant. Like the part where Sebastian has to use his power and he's like power me up and Shinobi's like, oh yeah, I would love to hit you. <laughs> he still has some anger, right? And there's still some tension there, but you know, whereas Marauders, the first two issues are very, very fun. And we're world building as well. This one really steps into like the intrigue and almost like soap opera dynasty aspect of all the machinations and side plans and even side plans have side plans and we don't really know for sure what Shinobi's up to, but you know, we know he has other allegiances as well. Um, I just, I thought this book fired on every level for, for quote unquote kind of side story. 
you know, it, it really, really delivered everything. I agree. It really, it, it's so out of, you know, the X-Men X 3 is like out of left field, like, well, this is the story. And like, all right, this is weird, but I'll run with it. And this was, we're going to focus on Sebastian Shaw. And like, oh, no, we need to focus on this because this was amazing. Yeah. And the way he kind of takes the defeat and humiliation from issue two and tries to almost like overcorrect his own feeling of impotence to like mm-hmm. try to make himself feel powerful again. It's such a, uh, it's such someone who views himself as an alpha male, like totally the psychology they would go through to try to reestablish in their own mind. Totally. Sense, I'm, I'm still powerful. Let me, let me show you. <laughs> and so <laughs> it just, it's a very just in depth kind of psychological profile. Um, and the, the artwork really does just sell everything. Because there's not a whole lot of action. There's, I mean, there's a little bit right here and there. But there's a lot of just kind of walking around and talking. And and Bandini just brings it. So, yeah, six out of six claws for me, uh, for sure. Where did you? I, I'm assuming you either went five or six. Where did you end up? I, I, this is a, a six for me, right? This was awesome. so good. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we're, we're going at a pretty good pace. Uh, that's that's going to us. Yeah. <laughs> Our last book is Excalibur number three. Um, this is verse three, three covenants. Um, looks like the exact same creative team as number two, so no art change here. Uh, here we have on the cover Apocalypse giving Richter a hug as they shoot the ground. Yep. They're and shooting it, the ground. And it, it's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the cover. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's weird because uh, I think we really liked the first Excalibur cover, and now, like, these, these two and three were like, right, they're, they're, they're good, but they're not, they're not amazing. I don't know. Right. It's hard. I, I like uh, Azrar, but I I like his interiors more than I like his his cover work. It's hard for him to compete against Reyes and um, yeah, Dodderman. And, uh, Dodderman. Yeah, I mean, it's just not that's not his specialty. So right. Yeah, but it, also it's not a bad cover. It's just like okay, that's that's a cover. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, this is a book that I've been up and down on. Or not down. I mean, I liked one, but I really liked two. So let's see what happens in three. Um, we have Richter alone in his apartment with pots of dirt and bottles of beer. And, or is that bottles of pee? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but he's afraid to go outside because every time he touches the ground, he inadvertently causes an earthquake. So he's lost complete control of his powers. Not even the chat, the mutant chat rooms can help him. And so he basically made like a coffin of dirt for himself to sleep in, almost like a like a vampire. Um, now we go back to Camelot, which is where this book kind of goes not as fun for me. Um, we have Morgana Le Fay talking to her clan Akiva representative. Dragon Shogo flies by the window, then goes back to our Excalibur team. We see that in other world that are mystical powers key into imagination. Shogo had a dragon crush on Lockheed, so that's why he turned into a dragon. And Jubilee's like, well, that's my baby. And um, 
But it's very sweet. They argue some more about what they're trying to do. Gambit's still kind of pissed that uh, they've left Rogue with Apocalypse and doesn't really want to go on a mission, but Betsy's like, the only reason we came was to save my brother. And that's what we're going to do. So they get on the dragon, they fly around, they go to the castle. Brian is like the evil dark knight and is not happy with his sister, the pretender, he says. Um, they do some fighting. Uh, the Captain Britain armor looks amazing. I'll say that. Yep. Um, they fight some more. Uh, Shogo is in the fight, even though Jubilee doesn't really want him to be, but they need they need dragon power because they're fighting knights and stuff. So that's what you do. Um, and then more sword fighting because Brian and Elizabeth have a duel. Um, Shogo uses some more dragon power. Uh, Morgana Le Fay tells um, <laughs> Betsy that we are who we're supposed to be. Foo! And um, Apocalypse needs some help controlling rocks and crystals to control his magic. And so he goes to find Richter and says, I can help you. That's a comic book, buddy. Um, And then... That's my headset. So he gets Richter and then... um, uh, What's his name? Pete Wisdom shows up at the end. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay, that? <laughs> that, Daddy? We That's have gone head. off the rails. So this yeah, is yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I I thought the so yeah. This is my headset. You're gonna come up here and sit up here. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Um, I don't press that button. I'll go on mute. Okay. So I thought the art was really good i thought the story was a little bit less interesting than number two maybe a little more interesting still than number one um but yeah that's kind of where i where i landed i i thought the art was was definitely better uh in this book uh than the previous uh issue except for i, I would say the richter panels are kind of like they feel like a different style almost um but everything in uh, other world i thought was Fun and well, well drawn. I loved like the playfulness of Shogo's using his like his imagination is allowed to like take power and just he can become what he wants to become. And the little like drawings, uh, like on the sides of, of what he's envisioning, I think were fun and sweet. Yeah, uh, the, the fighting was done really well. I think there was a lot of great expression on the faces here during the fight, especially on 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 Betsy. It was like. I, I enjoyed this issue more than I did issue two, even though there's not a whole lot that really happens. I just felt like, oh, the characters here, I'll just enjoy this little little bit of, like, brightly colored fun. Oh, stop touching my computer, please. Okay, all right, let me, uh, sorry, let me have to cut this a little short. Um, let me read what Dan had to say. Uh, the more straightforward the plot, the better the book seems to become. A solid flow to narrative really helps to make less of a misstep. Howard does character well, and the cast do seem to have more about them to do. Um, Toe is doing the heavy lifting, and the art works well when the characters are in the forefront. Betsy's new look is everything. Four out of six claws for Dan. Okay. Yeah, I, I think... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I think I'm also four out of six. I enjoyed it more than one, but not as much as two. 
I'm also going to be with there with a four. I was I was three the previous issue, so this was a step up. It okay. was um, it was fun. It was it was light fun. It wasn't. Uh, it doesn't stack up to the like the behemoths we read a few issues earlier. But this was this right. was good. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, we I <laughs> did that a lot faster than I thought we would be able to. So we really did work hard and fast. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Well. Some of those issues you can hear some really fun, really in-depth um, coverage on besides here. And where would that be, Georgie? I'm trying to – I can't remember where, where that where I would find that. I think it's an amazing an amazing place full of spiritual wisdom and, and glamour called Excalibros. <laughs> and, uh, we, we, yeah, we'll be covering – we'll have probably a, a day or so after your, your episode's out. We'll have an episode about – uh, we're gonna have two episodes coming out. We're gonna talk about our standard, you know, three uh, Excaliburs, Excaliburs, Excalibur, Gen X, and um, Exiles books. We'll have an episode that way, and then we're gonna cover these uh, first two uh, New Mutants books and uh, the the second two um, Excalibur books on a, on a separate episode. And we're gonna go in depth and talk about the characters and how it relates to the previous uh, issues and. Uh, rather previous series and, and how sort of New Mutants ties in a little bit to Gen X and, and where that's going. So it's it's going to be fun. I think it's gonna, they're probably going to be a little bit long, but uh, hopefully you'll you'll enjoy. You can find us uh, just search for Excalibros on Google or any um, pod player that you have, and, and we'll we'll pop right on up. Awesome. Well, it's a great show, so definitely go check it out. Um, Georgie and Dan do a wonderful job in those books, both new and old. So, thank you. Yeah. Um, as usual for the podcast at Go Snick, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. Retweets and Facebook shares are always appreciated. And yeah, I think that's, that's going to do it. I need to take care of this guy. So, I apologize for cutting us a little bit short. Um, but, you know, such as fatherhood. <laughs> exactly. Well, but, Georgie, thanks. thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we And Dan and Ian. We missed you. Can't wait to have you back. Um, and we'll have to figure something out. This is the shipping schedule is pretty uh, rough. Brutal, especially <laughs> during the holidays. Yeah. Well, it's tough. and and we can talk more uh, in our our Twitter chat. But yeah, if we're all hating for um, yeah. some fallen angels, maybe we can just cut those from this part of the show. Oh yeah, um, we could even just do like real quick ratings, so like one out yeah. of six, two out of six, <laughs> bad, good, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but th- we'll, thanks for having we'll us on. Out. Yeah, yeah, uh, we we love coming on. Uh, I, it's it's. I, I think back to a few years ago when we all started like hang out on Twitter and, and just I love that we're still going and it you know the the friendship continues and it's it's always fun to fun to chat comics with you, man. It's it's a blast. Yep, I completely agree. So we will do it again soon. And until oh. next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye bye. Bye bye. And snacks. Hehehehe. <laughs> <laughs>